0: You are listening to The Gateway Church in Spring Lake, Michigan. To learn more, visit us at thegatewaygh.com. Well, good morning, everybody. Merry Christmas! (laughs) We are so glad that you're here. And I'm just going to say, normally our first service people get us first and it's all the first you know first time through well, we've done this before. We were, On Friday night, we had a good group out, and it was incredible. Uh, but we're glad to be here at actual Christmas Eve for our Christmas Eve service, for uh, one of two today. And I just want you to know that we've been praying for these services uh, for uh, over six months. Uh, we've been planning and preparing, and if you are not here by accident, I want you to know that. And uh, for the guests and the regular attenders, I want you to know... Our goal is to bring a meaningful experience this morning, that the Holy Spirit's presence will just penetrate all of our hearts. And anybody ready for that? I sure hope so. And that the power of the gospel will be seen through the Christmas story. Now, if you're here and you thought we were going to talk about the nutcracker, you're going to be sorely disappointed, Okay. We're focusing on Jesus this morning. It's all about Jesus in the Christmas story. Now, we've been in a series, and this today is a culmination of the series. The series was called Family Matters, and we were talking about uh, marriages, and we talked about singleness, and we talked about parenting, and then blended families. And the key to this series leading up to today was all about keeping Christ at the center of of everything, of our lives. Psalm 127, verse 1 says, Unlo- Unless the Lord builds the church, or I'm sorry, unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. If Christ is not at the center of everything we do, it's all vanity. We might as well not even show up if Christ isn't at the center because there are issues in all of our families family matters right we talked about that and ultimately the family matters to our lord and savior jesus christ and that's the truth now today our christmas eve service we've called it welcome home in fact i want you to turn to your neighbors and if you haven't greeted them this way yet you're going to do it now say welcome home all right not not bad now turn to your other neighbors and say welcome home home. right very good welcome home see we think when you think about Christmas and you think about home the two just fit together kind of like peanut butter and jelly or Batman and Robin right Snoopy and Charlie Christmas and home they fit together the other thing is that there's no place like home for the holidays for Christmas you've heard that before And so welcome home. But this morning, we want to keep Christ at the center, uh, and we want to do that. But if we're going to keep Christ at the center, we have to realize that we live in a culture, and for many of us, we get caught up in this, where we romanticize Christmas. And what I mean by that, we try to create a picture-perfect situation, at least in our mind, when it comes to Christmas. Kind of like this picture. Let's look at this. The first one here, the perfect Christmas tree. The fire's going. The big wreath. Does this look like anybody's home? Let me, let me just add, right? We, we think, oh, if, we, if we just. it's all in our mind. The next one, how about this? The perfect family situation. Oh, with the Santa hats and the perfect turkey. And look, everybody's excited. <laughs> Again, does that look like anybody's family here? I don't know. Last one here, the third one. Uh, I love this. Uh, Christmas, it's, it's like this perfect picture perfect situation and uh the thing i noticed was the dad uh he's got this perfect tan i'm like who who is this guy you know that guy's just a model right i mean none of the dads here including myself look that good okay (laughs) and uh, we romanticize christmas the truth is many times we have this unrealistic picture in our minds and maybe that's the point that it's greater than our reality i don't know but think about it the the decorations that go in To a season like this, how many guys put up a tree this year or uh, wrap the lights around? All right, we 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 all get into that. Some of us more than others. Um, With the presents, um, how many uh, have uh, you know you get obsessed about what presents you're going to give and uh, how we're going to wrap them? I was uh, squealing on my wife uh, on Friday night. I said uh, we've we spend the same amount essentially on all of our kids, on both of our kids, and uh, but it's not. we have to just spend the same amount the kids have to have the same amount of presents to open now guys at least for me i don't get that if if you spend fifty dollars on a gift or ten gifts at five dollars who cares right but no there's going to be ten gifts even if they're lollipops. I don't know. I mean, you just, it, it's kind of, you know, we get, we kind of romanticize as We, we kind of get this going. And, and there's a lot of things with Christmas like that, isn't there? How about Christmas music? Any of you guys into Christmas music? Come on, be honest. Uh, some of you guys like that. Uh, in our house, uh, October 31st comes Halloween. That's my wife's birthday. And on November 1st, it's open season. Not for hunting. For Christmas music and all in the mornings and uh, all throughout the day and at the nights and on the weekends it's all Christmas at our house and that is not an exaggeration. I mean we, we usually listen to worship music most of the time and uh, instead of great worship music in the morning it's all Christmas and, uh, and that's just the way it is and some of us love it some of us don't uh, but how about how about movies? Come on, uh, think of just for a second. What is your favorite Christmas movie? On the count of three, I'm just going to give you a second. We're all going to say these out loud. What is our favorite Christmas movie? One, two, three. Home Alone. All right, not bad. All right, <laughs> I had no idea what you said, but but there's Christmas movies and then the food. The food is ridiculous. Come on, let's be honest. It's ridiculous. We eat too much, I eat too much, the treats, the cookies, and we pretend that it's all for the kids, but adults, let's be honest, it's for us too. Well, today, we want to kind of move away from this kind of picture-perfect idea, this maybe unrealistic romanticizing of Christmas, and we want to bring a real Christmas look with the idea of coming home. And the the theme this morning, as we talk about coming home, we don't want to burst anybody's bubble or ideal's. But coming home, there are some interesting things about that, and we want to look at it from a physically uh, coming home, emotionally, relationally, but then certainly spiritually coming home, and that's what we're asking God to meet us and to open our hearts, that He can penetrate into our hearts and our lives and make a huge difference, and that's our goal. By the time you walk out, that God would have met you this morning. So there's three things we want to briefly talk about this morning when we're coming home. Uh, that we absolutely need to remember. And the first thing is that coming home takes preparation. It takes a lot of work to come home. I was thinking about it. Growing up, one of my greatest memories was going to my grandmas and grandpas uh, on the Bayside. And uh, they lived only a few miles from us. But on Christmas, we would spend the night on Christmas Eve into Christmas Day many times all of our cousins and we'd all be around and it was like at least in my mind this great experience kind of like we were talking about this picture perfect but I can remember the smells and the tastes and I can remember the sounds I remember cracking nuts like all night long because my grandma had a, a thing of nuts and we had a nutcracker I remember my cousins and me we would we would get together and we would put on the Christmas uh, specials we'd do dramas and all you know we would working on it for For hours, and then we come and present to all the aunts and uncles, and just a lot of really great uh, uh, memories there. Uh, I remember the Christmas tree growing up. Uh, And it was this big, fat, wide Christmas tree. You say, why do you remember it so much? Well, my grandma and grandpa, they gave it to Jessica and me when we were first married. And until two years ago, we put up that crazy tree. And I kind of hated it because it was so hard to put up. But once it was set, it was beautiful. And I remember that. And I remember getting presence from underneath that tree and what's crazy like any boy would there was in my life there was no consideration to any of the preparation of what it would have taken my grandma and grandpa to have this situation each year i just showed up and some of you just show up and that's just the way it is but at this point in my life i've i i've wised up maybe a little Jessica and I, we've hosted some family get-togethers. We've had friends over at the holidays. And I'll tell you, it's endless work behind the scenes. How many are with me? You know what I'm talking about. To get the house ready, right? And uh, it's the cooking, and then the dishes, and more dishes, and more dishes. And I'm usually the dishes guy, and so I I get that. Uh, And then there's the cleaning, right? Oh my goodness, I don't know if this is the way it is at your house, but there are some things that only get cleaned once a year. And it's at Christmas time before the whole family comes over. And I'm dusting, and I'm reaching things that don't normally get reached, and all these things. And then the presents, oh my goodness, the preparation. I was thinking back, my grandma and grandpa, they would give every single one of us, and there were were dozens of us, uh, a Christmas present, and then all the aunts and uncles as well, and I was thinking back, uh, my grandpa, I don't, I don't believe he has ever wrapped a gift in his life, and so that was all on my grandma, and I'm thinking the preparation that went into those days, and then you think about the travel and the and, uh, back and forth and all these things, and if we're honest, we're thinking, man, some of, uh, some of us are even thinking right now, oh my goodness, I've got things to do before Christmas Day, how many of you're thinking about something right now? you're like, "Oh, shoot, I got some details or I got to do this or that." The endless preparation around the holidays, and we all get caught up in it. Coming home takes preparation. But the same is true within the Christmas story. And actually, if you dive into this, it's really fascinating. The presentation or the preparation, within the Christmas story, was massive. Of course, you may have heard the story when God created the heavens and the earth, right? And then Adam and Eve were on the earth, and by chapter 3 of Genesis, the fall of man. And from that moment forward, God had a plan to send His Son, Jesus, to earth. It was always His plan to do so. And throughout the Old Testament, there were pictures of Jesus coming we call it prophecy, where men and women, who were used by God to foretell the future, they would talk about a Messiah that was going to come. I'm just curious if you were here on Friday night, and there are a couple of you that were here. You can't answer, but uh, but if uh, how many prophecies do you think, or maybe some of you know, uh, were in the Old Testament foreshadowing Christ, the Messiah coming? Anyone want to take a guess? 365. Were you here? No, you weren't here. But you know. You, you, you know. Man, you nailed it. On, on Friday night, people were saying, you know, 20, 50, 100, 150. Someone said 1,000. I'm like, oh, wow, that'd be a lot. But 365 is exactly right. Way to go. Get an extra cup of hot chocolate for you. 365 prophecies about Jesus. Wow. You think about the preparation that God had behind the scenes. The orchestration. Only God could pull that off. The chances of one man fulfilling 365 prophetic words about his coming, it it, it would be an impossibility. You can Google search it and you can kind of get your mind around that. Um, I was focusing this season on the story of Isaiah. And uh, within the, the book of Isaiah, the, the Messiah would be born of a virgin, we find out. He would be a great light. He would be the wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. In Isaiah, we find out that the Messiah would be a Nazarene. He would be a healer. He would be preceded by a forerunner. And we're going to talk about that, John the Baptist, here in a second. He would be a light to the nations, a suffering servant. And the list goes on and on, just in the book of Isaiah alone. And you start to think about these things that were foretold. God had a plan, and he let us know along the way. Look. Let's look at one of those in Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 40, Isaiah 40 verses 3 through 5. Look what it says, look how specific this is. It says, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. In other words, a Messiah is coming. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed. A Messiah is coming, and all people will see it together. It was unmistakable. And you look to the, you fast forward to the New Testament, and in Matthew chapter 3, and in Mark chapter 1, and in Luke chapter 3, and and in John chapter 1, we see over and over uh, the fulfillment of that specific prophecy. Let's look at it. Uh, John chapter 1, verse 23 says, John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet, I am the one, I am the voice of the one calling in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord. See, when John the Baptist was on the scene, and all these things were kind of leading up to Jesus coming, people thought maybe John the Baptist was the Messiah. He's saying, no, no, it's not me. He, he stops them. He says, I'm the one who is preparing the way, fulfilling the prophecy in Isaiah chapter 40. You look at all the preparation in this Christmas story, and that doesn't even include all the angelic visions and the shepherds and the kings and the wise men and all these things. And that leads us to a second thing we've got to remember. Not only is uh, coming home, it takes preparation, but coming home can be messy. And we talked about this in our Family Matters series. The drama, the issues... When you say, welcome home, you could say, welcome to the mess. Come on, <laughs> isn't that the truth? For many of us, at least. You add marriages, and maybe second marriages, and blended family situations, and you have in-laws, extended family and sometimes it just gets messy, it gets strange, it could get weird. Uh, let's just be honest, in fact, some of you are thinking of someone in your mind like, oh yeah, Uncle Joe, and, uh, or uh, Uncle Bobby, right, uh, <laughs> whatever it might be. And you're sitting around at Christmas, and, you're, and all of a sudden the topic of politics comes up, or some other boring conversation that you're like, get me out of here. Sometimes these once-a-year visits can be painful. Come on, am I right? I mean, not always, but sometimes there's unresolved conflict. There might be anger or roots of bitterness or unforgiveness that cause an upheaval. And even in the best of situations, and I acknowledged on Friday night, my in-laws were in the service on Friday night. I told them, I said, look, we've got a pretty good situation. But even in the best of situations, there are personality differences, our ideals may not line up, traditions, you blend a family, and conflict can creep in. So much so that some would say, man, I'd just rather skip it all. And sometimes we get dragged to these family gatherings. Maybe you got dragged here this morning, and uh, if you did, I'm glad you're here. We tried to sweeten it with a little cookie and some hot chocolate, but I, it wasn't an accident that you're here, by the way. But Christmas can be messy, and we can understand that. I was thinking of some messy stories. The messiest Christmas story in the Vey family history is the year that my dad and one of his cousins, this was actually before my time, uh, they were wrestling in, their, in the uh, family room. And over in the corner was a 50-gallon saltwater aquarium. It was my grandpa's prize. He always has loved fish. He loved aquariums. And he had this beautiful array of fish. And it was just incredible. It was, it was a prized possession. Well, my dad and one of his cousins started wrestling. And I can't remember. I should have called and asked my dad but uh, how the story goes exactly. But somebody's foot went into the aquarium, and all 50 gallons of water and fish were all over. Can you even imagine the mess that that would have made? Christmas can be messy. (laughs) And then I was thinking, you know, what does it look like in our own families? What does coming home look like for you and for me? And I was asking the staff, I said, hey, and I, I emailed them, I said, hey, share with me your best worst Christmas story. And we heard stories of the ER visits on Christmas Day, and and uh, some of you can imagine that having kids. Uh, someone, uh, someone wrote that their girlfriend broke up with them, and on the front side of winter break, and then later on, uh, uh, found out that she had made out with their best friend just to get back with them. And uh, I'm thinking, man, that is kind of messed up, kind of a best worst story. Uh, someone else said uh, that, uh, well. Th- this was the, the one I wanted to highlight. Uh, it says, for one Christmas, my mom decided to introduce us to her new partner and brought her partners, two kids with her, to our family Christmas party. Can you imagine all the thoughts around that? <laughs> and I'm thinking, yeah, now we're talking. Messed up, right? Complicated, stressed out. What do you do in those circumstances? And some of us have some of those circumstances. But the great thing is about the Christmas story, it was a messed up story too. (laughs) It was messy, complicated, difficult. Certainly not a picture-perfect story. Think about Mary being impregnated by the Holy Spirit, right? And we think, oh, we romanticize that. We say, oh, born of a virgin. Oh, how great, right? It wasn't great for her, I'm sure. She's saying, I'm pregnant, and I'm not married, and I've never had sexual relations. And, I mean, who would believe that? If that happened in your family, you wouldn't believe it, right? And Joseph, the boyfriend on the side, his response is, I'm out of here. And it took an angel visiting him to convince him to stay. Kind of messed up, right? It's messy. And then you look at the travel that had to go on and we got this story to to coming back to Bethlehem and and we kind of romanticize and we say, oh, isn't that great? Well, Mary was pregnant and about to burst. I don't know if you've ever been around a pregnant woman about to burst. You don't want to put her up on a donkey or, you know, being headed, uh, walking for miles and miles. And then they show up to Bethlehem, their hometown, where they're from. And none of their families say, hey, come on over. We've got a place for you. Or we reserved a little corner at least. There was no room in their hometown. Come on. And then the story says that Jesus was born in a manger. We think, oh, isn't that sweet? I've been to a live nativity. It's loud. It's dirty. It's smelly. And then you add in all the visits, the shepherds and the wise men, all these things. And and then you look at Jesus in the early years, uh, all the political trouble around his life. Mary and Joseph literally were on the run for the first part of Jesus' life, just to spare Jesus' life. The announcement, Jesus is here. It's like, welcome to the mess. It's not the way I would have wrote this story. And let's face it, we romanticize it. The greatest example I could think of is the great song, Away in a Manger. And I'm about to ruin Away in a Manger for many of you. But the song, it goes like this. Away in a manger, no crib for a bed. Everybody go, ah. The little Lord Jesus lay down his sweet head. Ah. Ah. The stars in the sky look down where he lay. Ah, the little Lord Jesus asleep on the hay. You're getting it. Yeah, not too bad, but let's give a little enthusiasm on this one because it gets worse. The cattle are lowing the poor baby wake now you got it the but the little lord jesus no crying he made and that's where i stop that's where i put an end to this whole thing jesus no crying in the manger i'm about to prove to you that jesus cried in the manger in luke chapter 2 i was reading the whole christmas story this week and studying in Luke chapter 2, verse 21, it says this, On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise the child. Now listen, when Jesus was circumcised, I'm sure he cried. <laughs> he would have wailed just like we all did. And I'm going to move on to the third thing we've got to remember. All right, so there's preparation when we're coming home. It can be messy, but the third thing To remember when we're coming home is that coming home requires an open heart. And this really is where we want to land uh, for this morning. Open hearts. This is easier for some. It's harder for others, and I get that. I've realized over my life that home is not a place. It's not a location. Uh, we can drive back to the Detroit area where I grew up, and I can have uh, visited actually my house on Falmouth Road, and and I and I look at it, and it's kind of dilapidated. and I'm thinking. Was it that way when we lived there? I don't know. I don't remember uh, all that well. But, but how many know that that house is not where my home was? A few years back, we spent one of the holidays in, in South Florida in the hospital with our family because my dad was in, and, and uh, it, that hospital became our home, not because uh, of the location, but because of the people that were there. How many are with me? You understand what I'm talking about? Home is where the people are, is exactly right. But I would say it even, take it a step further, home is where the people are with open hearts toward each other. See, you could be in a room full of people, even with family members, and you may not be present, not be at home, not be at peace, not be at at joy. The reasons can be varied because of brokenness and baggage that we carry. It could be a struggle that we're having, a stressful time, and all of a sudden we we just close in or we just shut things off. We don't sometimes want to even be there, and I get that. I've been there before. You say, well, why is that? It's because our hearts can get hardened. The classic example of a hardened heart, and I and I I've watched this movie two times this year. It's one of our family favorites. Is the Home Alone, the first one. And some of you know it, exactly what I'm talking about. The hard heart of the neighbor that was shoveling. And he was the one that uh, Buzz was like, that, that guy, he's, the, he's killing all of our neighbors and this and that. And, and he puts the dead people in the tr- trash can with all the salt and the the, people, uh, the the people will dissolve. And I'm thinking, when you think about that, it's kind of morbid. It's kind of gross, but it's a kid's movie, right? And, uh, and, but uh, that guy, the old guy, you know what I'm talking about? He's shoveling the, the sidewalk uh, on Christmas Eve. He goes to see his granddaughter during the rehearsal while she's practicing in the choir. And he goes early. Why? Because he's not welcome in his family. Him and his son hadn't been together for years and years and years because of a hardened heart. And what does Kevin say? He kind of makes his way and he says, Man, I wouldn't let that stop me. I wouldn't let anything stop me from being with my family. And obviously, he's home alone at this point in the movie. And later on, we see the old man takes the boy's encouragement and softened hearts, and they get together. It's really kind of a cool story. And by the way, if you're in a situation like that where there's a hardness or there's stress or brokenness in your families, we want to come alongside you. I mean, That's one of the reasons we exist. We want to help you through those moments. And uh, we want God to kind of break through in those times as well. But sometimes uh, we have we need an open heart when we're coming home. And but the good news is that the Christmas story is all about open hearts. Emmanuel, God with us. In John chapter one, verse fourteen, it's the nativity story from John's perspective. It's a little unique version. But in verse 14, it says the word, that's Jesus, became flesh and made his dwelling among us. What that means is he came with an open heart, came as a baby, but his heart was open towards humanity. And by the way, his open heart cost him his life. And when we open up our heart to him, it's going to cost us our life too. And we'll talk about that in a moment. God's heart for people is undeniable. It's undeniable. John 3.16, you might know it. it's one of the most memorized verses in all, by all the Bible. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever would believe would not perish, but would have everlasting life. And some of us have heard that so many times, we need to think about the truth of that. God's heart for people, it's always open. See, the God's plan for you, and I'm talking about you, every single one of us, is for you to come home, to, to be received by Him. You say, well, how do you know that? Well, one more verse, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. It says, The Lord is not slow to keeping His promises, as some understand slowness. Instead, He's patient with you. And then look what it says. It says, He is not wanting anyone to to perish but everyone to come to repentance god's plan for all of us is that we'd come home that we'd open up our hearts and with that i want to ask the team to come and my question this morning is is god at the center of your life this christmas have you opened up your heart or are you closed up in some way and it can be for a variety of reasons is christ at the center of your family or has the commercial commercialization of christmas had a pull that has caused you uh, to forget or to to be to minimize what christ has done see the pull in this culture is very very strong and we get that we understand that and the pull is away from jesus but the truth of the gospel, the message this morning, is that the kingdom of God is not complete without you. It's not complete until you come home. It would be tragic for some of our families to get together and someone in the family that you dearly love can't make it home for the holidays. Maybe someone in the military um, there were years probably rich that you couldn't make it home. And uh, that, that is just the way it is sometimes with the military. Or maybe you're out of town and you can't travel or because of work. Or maybe you physically can't get home. Or financially you can't afford to go home. We would do almost anything to get home at the holidays. Well today, there's no delay. You're here, right here, right now. And there's been people praying for you. Don't miss it. Come home today. Whether that means for the first time coming to Christ, coming home, or coming back, saying, you know, I've served the Lord in the past, or I've given my heart to Jesus before, but it's been a long time since I've really had a close relationship with Jesus. And I'm not just talking about come home to a church. In fact, that's off the table. We're not talking about coming home to the Gateway Church. We're, coming, we're talking about coming home to the family of God, to the kingdom of God, coming home to a place of peace and joy. It's the best place to be, and we don't want anyone to miss it. And so this morning, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to give opportunity to respond to a couple things we're praying that hearts will be open. But let's pray. Bow our heads, close our eyes here this morning. Let's just pray. Lord, I've asked that you would be here in these next few moments. God, that you would break through even the hardest of hearts and soften us, God, to not only hear about your great work, but also to experience it from the inside out. God, I don't know everyone that's here. And God, I don't know what kind of stories we bring, what kind of history we bring to this moment. But Lord, you know every person's story. And you've been relentless. Second Peter says that you don't want any of us to perish, but that we would all find you. And today, we're going to give that opportunity. And Lord, I pray that you just draw people in these moments with your head bowed and eyes continue to be closed. This is a moment between you and the Lord. If you're here this morning and you know without a shadow of a doubt that if the Lord was to return and come back for His church, which He promised He would do, or if for some tragic reason your life was taken from you today or this week in an accident or something else, if you know for sure, 100% that you'd go, you'd make it to heaven, I'm going to ask that you just raise your hand here just for a second. If you know for sure that you'd make it to heaven. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. All right, you can put your hands down. There were a lot of hands that went up. Saying, you know what? <laughs> I know. And the reason the folks maybe around you could raise their hand was because they've received Jesus into their heart. They've accepted Him. They've asked Jesus to come in and to save them. Well, this morning we want to give you that opportunity with, as you look inside your own life, if you're saying, man, I need that. I need that kind of forgiveness. I want to be part of the family of God. And again, it could be for the the very first time. Maybe this is totally foreign, but you're feeling something. You're sensing something inside of you. You're saying, man, I need that. I've got something missing in my life. In just a moment, I'm going to ask that you raise your hand. The other scenario could be that you have given your heart to the Lord before, but again, it's been a long time. I'm going to ask that you raise your hand as well here in just a moment. And then we're going to pray. And I promise you, we're not going to embarrass anyone here, but we want to come alongside you. We want to help you. So without further ado, if you're here today, and you're sensing that in your spirit, saying, man, I need to come home. I need Jesus to be my Savior and Lord. Would you just slip up your hand right where you are? I'm going to pray with you. I want to ask the Lord. We're gonna, I'm going to lead you in a prayer here in just a second. Who here is ready to respond and ready to receive Christ on Christmas Eve 2017? Yeah, thank you, sir. Who else? Just lift your hand. Yeah. You put your hand down. Anybody else? Yes, thank you. In the back. Yes, who else? Is the Lord stirring and kind of just drawing you in? We've got two. Is there anyone else that's ready to come home this morning? Just give it another second. Just lift up your hand just so I can see it and then put it down. Anyone at all? Well, for the sake of the one, Really, for the sake of the two here this morning, I want to lead you in a, what we call a sinner's prayer. It's a miracle prayer. It's not the words of the prayer that save you. It's believing it in your heart. And I'm going to just ask that you would just repeat this prayer after me. And, and we're all going to do this together. And as we do that, I want you to trust and put your faith in Jesus. So let's just do this together. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I'm sorry for the things I've done wrong for the sin in my life. But I believe in you that you died on the cross for me. And on this Christmas Eve, 2017, I am giving you my life. Come into my life and make me clean. Forgive me of my sin. Wash it away. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen and amen. You know, it says in God's word that when even one person receives Christ, that the angels in heaven rejoice. And so let's just rejoice together here with the angels in heaven. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. God is so good. God is so good. We've been praying for these two and maybe others that God is stirring, that God would do this and bring you home. I'm going to ask that we'd stand together as we close. I want to just make it crystal clear that we realize that as we live our lives, there are situations that are very difficult. And sometimes around the holidays, it can be some of the worst times Instead of the most jolly times. And it could be for different hurts that have happened, different pain. It could be a loss of a job, loss of a loved one. It could be family turmoil, a family mess, or a variety of other reasons that the holidays just aren't as enjoyable. We want you to know that you are not alone. This song that we sang earlier, Starlight, has become just an incredible song this season. We started singing it at the beginning of December, kind of waiting for this moment, kind of preparing us for this moment. We want to reprise it, not the whole song, but just sing it one last time. And I want to highlight a couple of the words that I pray will be meaningful to some that are here, that are experiencing a difficult season. It says, and there's no heart unseen, there's no space between you and I. It says, you are closer than the very oxygen I'm breathing in. And when we get to that point, I want you just to take a big breath in. And just imagine the Holy Spirit just filling your life. And then it says, you are, uh, you're not far away, you're coming close. Even as I wait, you come in close. that's the reality. And I'm just curious, how many here, by a show of hands, would say, you know, I need the Holy Spirit to come in close this season for the situation that I'm facing. Yeah, lots of hands. Oh my. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Let's pray. Lord, I just ask that in these next few moments, as we close this service, that you would just break through that we would see you move in a powerful way, and God, that you would do something supernatural in our hearts. God, that you would make the difference. God, that we would understand you better. That we would we would see you at work, and God, that you'd be close to us. You would be Emmanuel. And for those that raise their hands, I'm praying right now for a supernatural touch. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Father, I thank you for the truth. Thank you for your perfect execution and all the preparation that went in to the Christmas story. Lord, thank you that it's a story like ours that can be messy. It's not picture perfect. And thank you, God, that you came with an open heart. And Lord, as we open our hearts to you, like this song says, you're coming close. You're closer than the very oxygen that we breathe. And Lord, I pray that that truth would resonate. God, as we celebrate you this Christmas, I pray that we'd keep you at the forefront. The truth that you came to this earth to save us to be with us, Emmanuel. And Lord, now I pray as we go that we would herald that news. We'd be your mouthpiece to let somebody know in Jesus' name and all God's people said. Amen. Amen. We love you so much. Thank you for being here this morning. I just want to encourage you that on your way out, grab a cookie, grab an extra thing of hot chocolate. We've got 45 minutes before next service, so you don't have to rush off. But God bless you. We love you. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this week's message from the Gateway Church. If you'd like to find out more about our church, such as service times, giving, and ways to get connected, visit us at... The